ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. All right, get tied on. We're ready for another edition of Winning Ponies. I'm your host, John Engelhart, Racing's regular guy. And we have uh, two uh, veterans of the racing game uh, with us tonight. Out of the gate, after our recap of last week and our preview of this week, will be none other than Eric Mitchell straight off of arranging his mantle for his new Eclipse Award. Uh, That's right. The uh, winner of uh, the Media Eclipse Award for uh, Best Story was Eric Mitchell from the Blood Horse called Tracks Join Rallying Cry to End End Cargo Shipping. It's a very interesting column and well-written enough to garner him the Eclipse Award for his effort. And uh, so we'll be talking to Eric. Um, if you haven't been on top of this story, uh, it's one that'll come and go forever. And uh, right now, Puerto Rico is employing this practice of obtaining horses for the racing program by shipping horses from the U.S. to Puerto Rico by boat. The horses they're shipping are usually lower level claimers from the United States that can't do well here, but end up winning races over there if they survive the trip. And we'll let Eric tell us about what goes on in the shipping of a horse in a cargo ship and some of the uh, efforts of uh, those concerned people, both in the United States and Puerto Rico, about uh, this process and how it's going. Uh, We'll save that for Eclipse Award winner Eric Mitchell. And then uh, Matt Schiffman has been with us before. If you uh, go online and view Horse Racing Nation like I do every morning, uh, more often than not, you'll see an article or input on a subject from Matt Schiffman. And uh, he does uh, go on YouTube, pull down Horse Center. It's really good. And it's him and Brian Zipsy that's been with us many, many times. I have to get back on soon but uh, Matt and uh, Brian do a great job uh, breaking down the top races this week and the top races this week are coming from Chantilly Boulevard that's right New Orleans Louisiana at the fairgrounds six stakes races four of them graded this is gonna be what a card i hope you're rained in or snowed in or whatever on saturday afternoon because just tune into the fairgrounds it's going to be outstanding so matt schiffman from horse racing nation is going to walk us through uh the races at the fairgrounds of course the highlights are uh, derby and oaks prep races but we're going to a whole new level here folks the points are kicking in. This is the real deal. 50, 20, 10, 5 on the line in the Risen Star for the boys and the Rachel Alexandra for the ladies. Both of these are grade two events. 50, 20, 10, 5. 50 will pretty much get you in the starting gate for the Derby at Oaks. And if uh, time allows us, we'll also uh, see if we can't cover the quarter million dollar mine shaft or the $150,000 
Fairgrounds. Man, that's a tough race, a mile and eighth on the grass. Anyhow, Matt Schiffman, he's going to be joining us. Those are our guests for the week and the races we're going to look at. Well, let's hope another superstar didn't go to the sideline for a long time. Flightline uh, is going to be on the bench. Looks like a short wild was going to go in the grade to San Carlos coming up on March 5th. Um, but I get, according to John Sadler, he's got a little bit of a strain in his hock. The good news is the x-rays are negative. He's going to pass on, on working out this week uh, and he's not going to go to the San Carlos, but he, he's four now. Uh, he d- doesn't have anything to prove on his way to the Derby or points or anything. So there's no timeline according to Sadler. And, uh, God, he has been dominant. Uh, he is something else. Uh, he is just, uh, he's amazing. Uh, he's a million dollar baby that runs like one. So hopefully flight line will be off the sidelines soon. And, uh, while they were handing out the eclipse awards, the outstanding apprentice was Jessica Pfeiffer. And she turns out to be Jockey of the Week. Okay, Eclipse Awards, a week ago today, uh, the Horse of the Year, no drum roll or surprise, it was Nick's go. Most of these categories were pretty much slam dunks. Uh, As far as the older dirt male, that was also Nick's go. The older female... No doubt about this one. Latruska, leading owner, Godolphin Farm, leading trainer, Brad Cox, and jockey, Joel Rosario, leading Irad Ortiz and Paco Lopez. Two-year-old male, no surprise here, Corniche. And the two-year-old filly, no surprise there, Echo Zulu. Again, Jessica Pfeiffer won apprentice jockey. Three-year-old filly went to Malafat. Three-year-old male, no surprise here. Essential quality is being ushered off to stud. Breeder Godolphin, male sprinter, Jackie's warrior, female sprinter, CC. Steeplechase, we don't follow that enough, but it was the mean queen who dominated in the votes. Top turf female, loves only you, the Japanese horse. Top turf male, horse from England, Yabir, if that's how you pronounce it. So there are your champions of 2021. All right. Uh, back to some national news that we're looking at. Uh, as, as you know, they were trying to cap the number of mares that a stallion could cover to 140, which I still think is a crazy number. But there's 16 stallions in Kentucky that have covered 140 mares, and the jockey club wanted to cap that. Well, a late night move, whatever you want to call it, uh, back door, sideline, whatever. Um, that, uh, that came in and... Uh, they put the kibosh on it, so you can breed a 200 uh, into mischief if you want. Anyhow, uh, th- that's some of the main national news. We covered the races we are going to look at. Now let's go back and look at uh, the races we covered last week. Some interesting ones for sure. The El Camino Real. Now this is run at Golden Gate. The winner of this race is insured a berth, should they want it, in the Preakness Stakes, which is really good news for Bob Baffert because right now he's not eligible to start horses in the Kentucky Derby. But upset time in the El Camino Real at Golden Gate Fields, it 
was Black Ladder up by a neck. It looks like this Baffert trainee will be going to the Preakness Stakes if something doesn't happen between now and the first Saturday of May where the horse is eligible to run for some of the other Derby points races. So Black Ladder rallied to get up. Not too many Baffert horses paid $9.60. Put this one on your horses to watch. Terrible trip for McKinnon, the heavy odds-on favorite. Every place that he tried to go, he was shut off. Now, this is a three-year-old on the Derby Trail. McKinnon, trained by Doug O'Neill, remember that horse's name. Now, Tampa Bay Downs where we had an absolutely great week as far as our easy win forms are concerned. Uh, this was the Sun Coast. This is the three-year-old Phillies. And no doubt about this one, Todd Pletcher trained Nest. Got the job done. Nest has now won three of four career starts. Was really impressive. Pulled away to win by six. A little love and luck led to the stretch, but as the second favorite had to finish for the second spot, Blaine the Champagne finished third. Again, those are the Phillies down at Tampa in the Sun Coast. At Tampa, the Sam F. Davis, quarter million dollars on the line, and the winner was very impressive. Classic Causeway, third in last year's Breeder Futurity. And second behind Smile Happy. How does that move him up this week in the Risen Star? We'll ask Matt Schiffman. But uh, Classic Causeway broke to the front and just won wrapped up by a Irad Ortiz. I guess he's shopping his derby mounts. And the second spot was Shipsational, who put in a, a late rally. And in the third position was Volcanic, who kind of drew a tough post out there in the 10 hole. All right. Then we went to Oaklawn Park, quarter million dollars on the line here. The well-traveled Miss Bigley got the job done. Boy, this was a fantastic stretch run, the Bayacoa at Oaklawn. Uh, it was hard to tell at the 16th pole who was going to get there, and all of a sudden Miss Bigley just popped through and, uh, and got the job done over She's All Wolf. And then the third spot was Jilted Bride. The favorites uh, just couldn't get the job done. They all broke from the outside, but it was Miss Bigley capturing the Bayacoa. And we also had the Razorback Handicap out there at Oak Lawn Park. And the winner was Plainsman, a Brad Cox trainee, Top jock of 2021, Joel Rosario in the saddle. This is a seven-year-old horse. You'll probably see him at stud someday, a son of flatter. Plainsman in a ooh, head bob over Thomas Shelby in the third spot along the inside was popular kid. So that's a look at the races we tackled last week. And in speaking of tackling, uh, I hope that uh, you uh, took a look at the easy win forms. We had some really nice wins uh, recently, especially at Tampa Bay Downs. <clears throat> Thousands of dollars. Johnny boy, where did you put your results? I know you, you put them on your your sheet here. Hold on, everybody. Here we go. Okay. Gulfstream Park. 
This was yesterday. We had a good day in Florida. We also had a nice winter at Tampa. At Gulfstream Park, we had a $1 Super 5 that paid $2,839. And also yesterday, our selections at Tampa Bay on a $1 Super High 5 returned 3286 On a week like this where we've got that sensational crowd at the fairgrounds, let's tell you, folks, pull down the easy win forms. It's going to help you with that and the information we get from Matt Schiffman. But right now, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with Eclipse Award winner Eric Mitchell from the Blood Horse. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies bet with confidence bet with busr you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me now, uh, one of the country's newest Eclipse Award winners, none other than Eric Mitchell from the Blood Horse. Uh, you can go back and, and read this story. It's going to open your eyes if for some reason you missed it or didn't hear about what's going on. It's called Tracks Join Rallying Cry to End Cargo Shipping. And uh, that's the title of the story, but it's a very interesting and uh, just about sad one. Uh, so uh, with no further ado, Eric Mitchell, thanks. It's been a while since we had you back here on Winning Ponies. Good to hear you. Yeah, it's great to be back here with you, John. I appreciate it. Uh, I always love the show and uh, always good to talk with you. Well, <clears throat> this story, I, I did follow it as, as well as you could. As, as It was kind of coming out, <clears throat> not your story, but the whole concept of what was happening uh, between uh, America and 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 the, the tracks of Puerto Rico. And you did a really good job of kind of taking us from woe to woe, showing both sides of the story, though uh, 
I, I kind of thought that their side of the story, when I say they, those that uh, use this practice, were kind of uh, painting it with a soft brush. But anyhow, we'll get to that. I'm going to ask you about this. But for somebody that uh, just turned on and didn't, for some reason, get your story, kind of walk us through the story. And first of all, how you heard about it and then what you discovered as you went along the trail to winning this Eclipse Award-winning piece. Yeah, well, this actually started a couple years ago. Um, uh, Back in 2019, I got a call from Kim Heath, who's down in the Ocala area. Um, She and and her husband, Bonnie, uh, ran Bonnie Heath for uh, Bonnie Heath Farm for a long time, and now they've opened up their own aftercare farm down there. But Kim called me and and let me know that there had been a shipment of horses out of Jacksonville to Puerto Rico, and that nine of the horses on that shipment had died in transit, uh, and said somebody needs to look into this. And uh, I agree. And I started making some calls. And when you're dealing, you know, with stuff that's outside uh, the continental uh, United States, um, you know, it gets tricky. And and it took me quite a while to really sort out what had happened because uh, the authorities in Puerto Rico were still sorting it out. Quite frankly, and and there there were reports to follow up on, and there were lawsuits eventually filed by the owners in Puerto Rico against the shipping company. Um, uh, but as you know, we eventually you know wrote a a story about what had happened to those nine horses, and the practice stopped several months, and you would. Hope that um, people, when something as horrific as that happens, um, and and you know, to to, to 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 for people to understand, you know, that this particular situation, you know, they have these cargo containers, and in this particular shipment, there were fifteen horses in one container. Now, can and you just, when that can container you arrived in Puerto Rico. Yeah, Eric, can, can you describe, describe a little the bit for us? Yeah, yeah, for our listeners, so they understand what a container is, okay. its approximate size, how the horses get into it, things like that. Well, I, I, I think um, anyone who's been watching the nightly news and has been, you know, hearing all the stories and watching all these stories about what's going on with supply chain has been treated to some sort of image of a port somewhere, and you've got all these huge containers stacked up on these cargo ships, right? Yes. So this cargo ship, are these cargo containers, these 40-foot steel boxes is what we're talking about they're shipping horses in. There are these steel boxes, they're modified, they cut windows into the sort of top half of the walls. They put in these dividers, which um, can be wood dividers. Um, They put in hay racks, and they have a fan at one end, which is supposed to circulate air. And these are tiny little fans. So this is what you're putting horses in. And they load them from one end of the box to the other. 
there are not two doors into this. There's one door. So you walk one horse in, you put him in the end of the box, you close the divider, you bring in the next horse, the next horse, the next horse. You're stacking them up like they're in a starting gate, except they're all coming from one end, and there's no way to get out. So that's the biggest issue with shipping horses in this manner, is if you have a problem, you can't get to the horse. Even if someone is standing right there next to the container, uh, you can't get to them. Uh, and there's nothing wow. you can do. And wow. so so what happened on this shipment, which nobody really knows what set off this chain of events, um, but uh, basically, you know, horses were panicked in a very tight situation, and it was a disaster. And by the time they got to Puerto Rico, eight horses were dead. And one horse was so severely injured it had to be euthanized at right there on the docks. So you would think with something that horrific uh, that people would seriously reevaluate this practice. Um, and it did stop for several months. And, uh, and you know, lo and behold, uh, after about, I want to say about five months maybe, um, they started shipping again. And I started hearing from people in Puerto Rico that said, horses are coming back in on the container ships. So that's when we started, that's when we started digging in more into, you know, who's doing this, why they're doing it, what is the cost difference? Um, and at the same time that we were writing about that, um, the, the purses in, in Puerto Rico skyrocketed at the beginning of 2021. I found that um, interesting, yes. Part, right, right. So um, part of that had to do with a lot of the federal money that was going in to help people get through the pandemic. So suddenly a lot of people had cash in their pockets, and that was good for the racetrack. So... They have uh, a situation, uh, uh, a setup, I don't want to say situation, a setup down in Puerto Rico regarding purses, which is different than it is in the U.S., um, and that owners uh, are involved in the ownership of the track. And so they have a, a, a setup where you'll have a published purse, and it will pay out whatever it pays on that, on, on that race. Uh, but at the end of the month, they look at the handle, what contributions went to purses, what, what goes to the government, you know, all, of, all the payouts, all the takeouts of the handle. And if there is any money left over after all the takeouts are met, then that money gets redistributed as bonus money to people who earned purses uh, in that previous month. So, you know, you could, you could, you know, maybe run a, uh, a claiming race and get 6000 for the purse, and then you could turn around and get another six, $7,000 in bonus money because the handle was so high. Well, I so, can see why they need horse flesh, but uh, still, the, the, the quality and, and what goes into transporting, because I do understand that they have different levels of racing over there, and if a guy's got a good horse, they, they admit in the interview to you, they fly the good ones over, they don't ship them by boat. Right, right, right. But the purse money was so good that people were going to the U.S., 
they were picking up these cheap claimers uh, and shipping them in these cargo cargo boats uh, just to try and get you know a race or two out of them. And they weren't really that concerned about the longevity of, uh, of the horse in terms of its racing. Um, and and then you know the more calls we made about it, the more people I talked to, the more you realize that the horses that are being shipped in this manner, a lot of them their health is so compromised by the trip, they're not, if they make a start or at all, it, 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 it's, it's unbelievable uh, wow. that they survived this. And then a lot of them came up with, with respiratory conditions, with, with, with uh, uh, foot conditions, with, you know, some of them came up with laminitis. I mean, there was a lot of issues and a lot of these horses just, were so compromised by the stress of the trip and the unsanitary conditions that they just they weren't making it. It was just a it was a horrible and inhumane practice. And so, uh, fortunately, um, as we're starting to to write more about it, um, the tracks picked up on it and and became more aware of it. And and we saw. Uh, tracks. Uh, Indiana Grand was the first one, but soon followed up by uh, First Racing, the Starnet Group's uh, racing group, and uh, Penn National, and then these tracks started to get behind it. And that really, I think, started to give some serious weight to the issue. Absolutely, because they might be the ones that can stop it at the guard shack before it happens. I know that's taking the story a long way. But what I'm saying is is they can track horses uh, to some extent, and they can find out that if there are people on the grounds that are taking part of this process, perhaps they don't want that kind of individual racing for their company. Right, right. You know, and in, in, in some ways, while these horses weren't suffering catastrophic breakdowns. The, actually, the catastrophic breakdown at Camarero was relatively low. Um, but it was the same dynamic that we saw with Aqueduct when the casino came online in Aqueduct. And they did have a rash of breakdowns because people were racing horses because the purse money was so crazy. Right. And uh, they were taking chances when they when they didn't. Well, not when they didn't need to, when they shouldn't have with horses that shouldn't have been racing. And then, and then Naira, you know, they did an evaluation. They saw a connection between the, the claiming, uh, in the claiming races, and they made an adjustment there where, you know, the claiming price, you know, couldn't be, you know, X percent of whatever the published purse was of the race. So, um, but that, but that's really, I mean, that's how I got into it and, and how I started following it. Well, Eric, you know, uh, on your behalf, I have to say you did reach out to try to get the other side of the story. And I forget the exact individuals you talked to, but they kind of were saying, oh, you know, just because it happened one time, that was terrible and tragic. But we do this all the time and the horses are just fine. I'm not paraphrasing, but I'm just saying that's kind of the impression yeah. I got with the, with the one interview that you did. Well, I mean, it, it, there is some, some. I mean, there's substantial money, you know, changing hands here, and and you know, you, you think, 
you know, it's fifteen hundred, fifteen, sixteen hundred to ship these horses on a boat. That's you know, roughly half the price of it is to fly them. Um, but you get a lot of people that are that are making money, and and, and these, this same group is not just shipping horses. Uh, I mean, they're shipping cattle, they're shipping sheep, they're shipping pigs. I mean, they're shipping a lot of livestock, but. You know, the sad part is, is they're treating these horses as livestock, right. and that's just, you know, not acceptable. Um, but so the people that are involved with it, they, they don't want to give up this business. They're making substantial money at it, and so they're going to defend the practice. It, it, it was, you know, it, it, it was, I don't even know how to describe this, but talking with the veterinarian in, in 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 Florida, who is signing off on the health certificates for these horses. I mean, he he told me he said, "Look, there's horses that that are not in good shape, and we don't ship them." You know, he he you know defends his practice and and said, you know, if the if a horse is not doing well, he's got a fever, he's sick. You know, we don't ship them. Um, but I you know I asked him repeatedly, yes. Okay, so you're saying that the horse leaving Jacksonville is healthy, but they're on this boat for three and a half days in confined conditions, which are unsanitary, and when they get to the island, they are not doing well. Their health is compromised. I said, you, and I asked him repeatedly, do, do you not hear any feedback back on the condition of these horses? And he was absolutely adamant that he's been doing this for 20-plus years, and they had this one bad incident, but for the most part, all the horses that get to Puerto Rico are healthy, and this is a safe and sound practice. But that is just not what you hear from the people of Puerto Rico who are unloading these horses, and particularly the Caribbean thoroughbred aftercare, who is having to take these horses in when they can't run anymore. And their health is horrible. Wow. Well, um, is there an, a happy ending? What uh, what efforts are continued to be made? Is anybody stepping in? I mean, it's it's a very sad story. Uh, yes, but but uh, I I will say yes. The the Puerto Rican government um, did issue. Uh, new rules for shipping by cargo ships. And those rules will take effect on March 28th. Um, They adopted uh, more stringent criteria that uh, requires these horses to be shipped in what would be the equivalent of a box stall on a a tractor trailer. so they have to have space. They have to have space to move. They have to be able to lie down. They have to be uh, accompanied by an attendant. Um, I mean, these these new shipping containers, as they have uh, spec them out in this new requirement, this new rule. Um, you know, they have to have uh, you know a minimum height requirement. There has to be, you know, the bedding. It, it really is a very, very extensive uh, revamp of the shipping requirements. Um, now, if if a shipper 
doesn't follow this after March 28th and brings in its uh, a horse um, the way they've been doing it, then they've basically said that horse can't run. They're not, they will not allow that horse to race in Puerto Rico. And if it happens again, then not only will the horse be prohibited from racing, uh, but the owner's going to be fined. Well, Eric, so, that that that, um, that is great to hear. Yeah. Listen, my 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 producer's telling me I, I I've got to uh, wrap this up, but I'll tell you what, Eric is this is obviously a story that's probably not going to go away and needs to be monitored to some extent. Uh, are you keeping an eye on it, or may there be any follow up story? And I got to wrap this, but just let me know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I can guarantee you I have been in regular conversation with people down in Puerto Rico, and we're, we're making, we, we will do everything that we can to, to, to monitor and, and see that, he, that these horses are not shipped in the way that they have been shipped in the past. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much. We've been uh, honored with the presence of Eric Mitchell, who just won his Eclipse Award for News Enterprise. Eric, thank you so much and congratulations. Thank you very much, John. It's really been a pleasure talking with you. All right. I hope we do it again. We're going to take a quick break. and We come back from Horse Racing Nation, Matt Schiffman. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, back with us now. Haven't had him on since October, I do believe. From Horse Racing Nation, Matt Schiffman, how are you? I'm good, John. Thanks for having me on again. Well, uh, it, it's they're they're keeping you busy, and you kind of uh, early in the week. I think I I do turn you guys on every morning with my cup of coffee and go through things. Fantastic website, Horse Racing Nation, and uh, the. Uh, 
something caught your, my attention and say, hey, Matt's covering the races down at the fairgrounds. I got to get a hold of him. But let me tell you, you're covering the races at the fairgrounds this week. You've been a busy man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with uh, Horse Racing Nation, we cover across the, you know, everything going on in the country. I certainly focus more on racing in New York, but, you know, uh, uh, with, uh, with, the, with, Zipsy and my show, uh, Horse Center, we, you know, we cover the Derby Trail pretty, uh, uh, pretty significantly. Well, uh, you, uh, uh, you certainly say busy, you did a good job, but boy, like I said, you've got a lot on your play with the fairgrounds as, uh, as what you had to cover this week. Let's start with the big one. And, uh, I'll tell you, I was listening to you and Brian on horse center and, uh, you guys are right, man, you can separate these horses with a piece of paper. And I don't mean the length of one. I mean, <laughs> the, the depth of one, uh, it, it is a tough field. I believe, uh, the, the favorite smile happy is, uh, sent away at seven to two. That's quite a tepid favorite and deservedly. So as you guys point out on horse center. Yeah, I, certainly with, uh, with the points that qualifying point values going up to, uh, the 50, 20, 10 and five, uh, for the top four finishers now, the the stakes are a little higher. And I tell you, I think the field in the Risen Star is without question the the deepest and toughest field of the 2022 year. A- absolutely. Well, the, the the headliner is Smile Happy. Who? Uh, and by the way, guys, if, if go to YouTube, uh, you might might want to subscribe uh, to, to Horse Center. But these guys, while they're describing the race and giving you know their selections at the end, uh, they show the replays of all the key races of the contenders of the major races. And uh, you show Smile Happy and how dominant uh, uh, he he was in the uh, Kentucky Jockey Club. And uh, are you in a a crowd, uh, Matt, or is that uh, my producer left his mic open? No, no. I I think it might be uh, in the background. Uh, uh, No, I'm in a quiet room. Uh, But, yes, you know, uh, smile happy uh, his victory in, uh, in the Kentucky Jockey Club alone, just looking at that race, was uh, was a very impressive uh, performance. Uh, the 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 run happies, um, you know, are horses that uh, get better and better as they age. So uh, who knows what's to come with Smile Happy? But but that Kentucky Jockey Club has turned into a really really significant key race and of course you know uh, handicappers know what we mean by key race we mean that uh horses that didn't win that win that particular race have come back and run extremely well and wow uh, uh in the Kentucky Jockey Club that has just been uh uh that has just been amazing with uh, uh, uh classic causeway finishing second in that Kentucky Jockey Club and of course he just came back and looked terrific in his debut at the Sam F. Davis when he won that race um, in third place in that the Kentucky Jockey Club was White Abario, and he came back to to win the the Holy Bull by uh, 
by a clear margin um, in at the time was one of the strongest fields uh, uh, of the year. <clears throat> and further down the track, uh, in the Kentucky Jockey Club was Call Me Midnight, who won the LeCompte uh, um, about a month earlier at the fairgrounds. So, you know, it's one thing to be flattered by one horse that you beat in a race, but Smile Happy's been flattered over and over again with what those horses have done when they come back in two-year-olds and stepped up their game and improved. And imagine if, uh, uh, if Smile Happy is going to do the same thing. I'll tell you what, if you can get 7-2 on Smile Happy, um, it's time to make a big bet, which is my way of saying no way that horse is going to be 7-2. to two. No, but you, you, you lay a good case there if you can get that, because this is really, I mean, you start putting 50 points out there for the Derby, uh, they're not playing uh, 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 around anymore these there's some uh, top trainers with some horses that look like they have some serious upside but like smile happy we haven't seen them for a while yeah yeah and and hey you know that's so that's the way things are these days uh uh you know a couple races two races three races um as a two-year-old these uh, you know these two-year-olds that are looking strong, that have the pedigrees and and, and have shown it in the morning and shown it uh, on the farm before. Uh, you know they're not bringing them to the track. Uh, you know in July at Saratoga anymore. They're waiting to make their first starts in October, November, two, three starts. Get a little time over the winter for to to grow into their bodies a little more, and then come back. Uh, uh, on the Derby Trail, so hey, it's the way it is, and and you know all those horses, you know that we mentioned, uh, um, like White Barrio and Classic Causeway and Call Me Midnight, they all stepped up, they all matured um, over those winter months, and you know uh, that's just the way it is, and we'll see if Smile Happy's going to do the same. Well, one of the horses I'm alluding to, and you show the race, is Zandon, because I was ticked. I bet Zandon in the Remsen Stakes, Ooh. and all I can say is, if you want a definition of herding, I think you can find it uh, with uh, with Mo Donegal and Irad Ortiz, who eventually got uh, days, not necessarily for that race, but for they started keeping an eye on him. But uh, he had all the worst of it in that race and was really impressive. Uh, and the other horse, and I know that this was Brian Zipsy's pick, slowed down Andy. Uh, I don't know if people have just forgotten about this horse or what. Man, he's impressive. Doug O'Neill seems to have a real key to the offspring of Nyquist. Well, he certainly should. That uh, Nyquist gave uh, Doug O'Neill one of his uh, one of his two Kentucky Derby winners, and and aside from that, Nyquist has done very well uh, uh, as a young as a young sire. And and slow down, Andy uh, fits that same kind of description that we've made uh, uh, with with a, a number of these other horses, and with Smile Happy in terms of beating a horse in their last race that came back to run big 
and flatter their performance because Slowdown Andy uh, was very impressive winning the Low South Futurity uh, when he stretched out the two turns for the first time um, when he beat Messier in there. And, and, you know, it didn't seem like that big a deal at that point. But then Messier just came back in the uh, in the Robert E. Lewis to romp against that field and to run a really big speed figure. So that makes slow down Andy look even better than he looked uh, going down the stretch and winning that race in the same way that Smile Happy looked really good going down the stretch to win that Kentucky Jockey Club. But I agree with you. And we could even say the same thing about Zandon, um, aside from the fact that uh, Chad Brown agreed very strongly with you about the outcome of that race uh, <laughs> and and the interference that uh, that uh, he had to deal with down the stretch from uh, Mo Donegal. And I'm not blaming Mo Donegal by any means, but you know the the, the rough riding techniques that uh, that Irad uh, used in there. But Zandon, um, we're talking about Mo Donegal. You know Mo Donegal came back and ran a you know a sneaky kind of third place uh in the in the holy bull things didn't go his way completely in there and i think most uh experts are not dismissing um modonical by any means zandon is also the only horse in this field to have gone the mile and an eighth distance yeah. which he did in that remsen stakes and that is certainly to his advantage and he seems like the horse the kind of horse that's going to appreciate the longer stretch run um, that there that happens at the fairgrounds racecourse. Well, uh, we're, we're going to move on to the ladies' version, but before we do, folks, I know who Matt likes in this race, but I'm not going to tell you, and I'm not going to have him tell you. I'm going to force you to. Go to YouTube and go to Horse Center and find out who he li- how you like that for a tease, Matt. Pretty good. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, well, just before that, uh, we've got the Rachel Alexandra. I was there the day she won the Fairgrounds Oaks, and now she has uh-huh. a named after her. Uh, the Rachel Alexander. The girls are being asked to go to a mile and a sixteenth, and. Uh, in here, you know, I was look, I was listening to uh, Matt and and Brian today, but depending on what the odds stay, these guys were giving out some nice potential eight to one horses that uh, might uh, elude the casual handicapper, Matt. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that uh, morning line for the uh, for the Rachel Alexandra with Lacrette and uh, North County uh, listed as eight to one in there. I understand that maybe they're a little bit uh, uh, more lightly raced than some of the others, and I understand that they don't. And that neither one of them have a graded stakes race to their credit, but. I don't know that I don't see any way that that we're going to get eight to one on either one of those. Of course, we can start talking about uh, Lacret, another one of those, and Rachel Alexandra, uh, who was one of the one of those wonderful Stone Street fillies and mares that we've seen over the years. Uh, uh, Lacret also. Uh, uh, homebred from Stone Street, 
who is a half-sister to Clarier, yeah. who you remember last year in the three-year-old Philly campaign, who ran in, in every big race, always showed up, and, and won her share of, of graded stakes. And uh, Clarier is a half-sister. Um, the credit is by... Uh, by Badaglia-Doro, so we know the distance is probably not going to be a factor, certainly not when you're out of a mare like uh, cavorting, but uh, you know, we talked about the way two-year-olds are handled. She debuted in November at Churchill with an impressive victory as the favorite, came back, that was her only start as a two-year-old, came back this year at fairgrounds, in the prep for the Rachel Alexander in the Silver Bullet Day to uh, really dig in and show a lot of grit coming down the stretch because, I don't know, at the 16th pole, it looked like she wasn't going to be a winner, but then pulled it out and and won by a length. Um, She's a horse that thus far um, has preferred to uh, race on the lead and breaking from the rail, it's likely that, uh, she'll go to the lead. Well, uh, that's a good point. You guys show that on your horse centerpiece. But um, the horse that will break next at North Country, again, could potentially be 8-1. to one. We'll find out. But uh, this horse kind of mirrors LaCrete, not necessarily in her running style, uh, but in her lifetime performances. Yeah, yeah. North County is uh, uh, has got three wins. She actually debuted for uh, Brendan Walsh on the turf, but you know some trainers will like to give horses of their first start on the turf, or you know that that's the race to fill that that came up at the right time um, in September. She came back and won an allowance on the slop at Keeneland, and then uh, the day after Christmas uh, won the Untappable at Fairgrounds. So three races. As a two-year-old, three different tracks, three different kinds of racing surfaces, <clears throat> showing a lot of versatility in there. And, and quite frankly, um, I, I think Lecrette and North County are going to be pretty heavily bet, maybe the top two favorites in this race. But, you know, I have a feeling that Lecrette, um, with the Stone Street connections, with Rosario up, with Steve Asmussen as the trainer, uh, may get that a little bit more than North County. Well, uh, again, I don't have any odds in front of me, and I didn't go and peek. I, I, I'm, I'm wondering, is Awake at Midnight perhaps the one of the top two choices in here? Uh, again, Doug O'Neill trained uh, Nyquist offspring. Yeah, certainly uh, um, is a horse that uh, is going to get attention. It windows, no doubt, shipped in uh, with slow down Andy. Um, you know, and and again, uh, a versatile kind broker maiden at first asking, uh, then went on the turf and won a Grade Three at Del Mar. Came back and was second, going seven furlongs uh, at uh, um, at Santa Anita. Um, We'll need to go two turns on the dirt for the first time. But I think O'Neill's doing the same thing with this one that he said he was going to do, but what, that he was doing with Slow Down Andy, which was, hey, this is a good time for me to see how these two horses are going to ship across the country, not just to a, a different track in Southern California. Um, so he's t- going to test her out in that same kind of way as, uh, as Slow Down Andy. <laughs> 
Wow. Well, we could talk about this race all day. This is the Rachel Alexander. It'll be the 12th race at Fairgrounds. Listen to this, folks. You got, again, these are kind of lightly raced three-year-old fillies. There's four stakes winners, three graded stakes winners, and three graded stakes placed horses in here. So good luck with the 12th. Well, Matt, I'm down to about two minutes to post. It's such a great card. Um, did you, did, it's a short field in the mine shaft, uh, but, but a kind of an interesting one. Uh, this, uh, it, it looks to me like the, the up and coming four-year-olds Olympiad and miles D might be the ones you want to watch. And I, you know, I certainly agree with that. I cer- certainly think that uh, that Miles D um, is is a horse to to watch. Chad Brown, Jose Ortiz, that means they're going to get that um, making uh, uh, making his debut for 2022. Last time out was the a winner at Aqueduct, going a mile and an eighth in the Discovery, getting a 103. Buyer speed figure. He beat Speaker's Corner in there, and we've talked about horses coming back and yep. and uh, flattering. Well, Speaker's Corner came back and and ran big uh, this year already. So certainly, uh, uh, certainly Miles D and Olympiad for uh, for Bill Mott had a smashing uh, seven length victory that also got a triple-digit buyer at Gulfstream Park. Um, another one uh, that I like in this field is uh, I like Happy American a little bit. Uh, that's a, that's one of the local horses uh, and uh, was last seen just missing by a nose with a late rally uh, in the Tenacious. But, yeah, I, I'm kind of uh, on the same page as you are, John. Well, Matt Schiffman, I could talk to you all day long, but they won't <laughs> let me. I've got to let you go. Matt Schiffman from Horse Racing Nation, thank you for joining us on Winning Ponies. I also want to thank uh, Eric Mitchell from the Blood Horse and congratulate him on winning the Eclipse Award. And I want to urge you to come on over to winningponies.com, pull down our easy win forms. It's going to be a great day to play the ponies down at the fairgrounds on Saturday. I'm John Engelhart. When you go to the races remember bet with your head not over it thanks for listening to winning ponies with john inglehart we hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post join us for more insight next thursday at 8 p.m eastern time 5 p.m pacific on the voice america variety channel also look for our weekly newsletter have a great week And may your photos always be winners.